previously on the Simply Human podcast. So become an egg and turn the chair around. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yesterday, a cyclist got hit right in front of our church. And my first thought was, I hope that wasn't Mark. Yeah. I hope that wasn't Mark. It's episode 106 of the Simply Human podcast with your host, Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it is Doc Parsley, Dr. Kirk Parsley, super excited. We talked to him about a lot of stuff, his background, and we, we scratched the surface on some sleep stuff. We're going to have him back. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment with Ruel, and we're wrapping up with our simple human tip. How are you, Rick? Well, I guess Rick doesn't want to do the show anymore. Well, okay, Rick is back. He he did not hang up back. on me. Thank you for not hanging up on me. Um, I wish there was a setting on your Skype that you could be like, hey, ignore incoming right. calls. Yeah, uh, that's weird. I need to Skype right now. Yeah. But as soon as someone calls while you're Skyping, it just bounces you off Skype automatically. You don't even get to choose. I have a, so. f- I'm, I have a funny uh, – funny. I'm not going to say that. I have a fun uh, hmm. new element to the show, uh, and it is an addition uh, in, in – uh, Symbiosis with Rick's Rick's Cop Not Corner. Hang on, here we go. Rick's Cop Corner. Stolen. You've stolen that. Rick's, Rick's Cop Corner. I would like to apologize to anyone who listens to Sports Radio 13 hey. and the ticket in Dallas. Mark has stolen no, listen, that from I, them. I found that on... YouTube, it has one million views. It's not like the ticket stole it from something else. So that is going to be the intro to Rick's Cop Corner. And here, this will be a very quick one. I'm gonna, we're not going okay. to drag this out because we have dad jokes to get to. What she said. I'm going to ask you a question. Rick, why okay. did you become a police officer? Um, there's actually several reasons. This is a really long answer. Um, we'll try to make it as short as you can because we need to get on with it. Well, reason one <laughs> is that I wanted to use my time, my work time to make the world a better place. It sounds very pie in the sky, but before I became a cop, I was a television sports reporter with you. People know that a little bit. And uh, there's nothing less important than the guy who tells you sports scores on TV because now <laughs> it's 2015. You can look them up on the internet. So no one needs, no one needed my super insightful analysis on the Dallas Cowboys, but uh, there's an even longer version that's far more macabre. Mark, you probably know that end of it, but uh that's one reason. The other reason is right around that time, my dad had gotten laid off from his job, and he kind of was uh, waxing poetic. And he's like, "Pick something that's uh, that's stable, something that uh, you don't, uh, you know, have industry fluctuations." There's a lot of uh, job security in being a police officer, as long as you're not, you know, crooked or crazy. As long as you're, you know, actually trying to do your job in a good fashion and you know, responsible fashion, then uh, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it can be a long career. So that's that was part of it too. And this is going to be hard for you. That's what she said. What oh. is? Oh, how long have you been a cop? Twelve years? Almost eleven. It'll be eleven, 11 this coming summer. What would you say is like the number one thing that you've either learned or you feel like the job has taught you in that time? <sighs> Man, there's a million things. I know. Um, I'm like springing this on you. I but think. It, yeah, you really are. I think um, compassion for human beings, understanding different situations. Uh, you know, I grew up. Uh, you know, I would say, Mark, would you agree with this? Uh, fairly affluent. I mean, you and I grew oh, up yeah. pretty uh, middle class to upper middle class, kind of not like you know between middle and upper middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, privileged uh, upbringing. Uh, never had to want for food or clothes or or anything. Uh, went to college, and it was the same. We're surrounded by the same people types. Well, I mean, I. I spend a lot of my time dealing with people who are from different circumstances and different backgrounds and had different values growing up and different community values, things like that. And it's taught me, you know, to kind of understand that, you know, one thing that we're going to get real philosophical here. I don't write a lot of tickets. Like you have to really catastrophically screw up for me to write you a ticket. Something super dangerous because like you would write a ticket for someone who you saw murder someone else. Like he would get a ticket. Uh, well, he might go do something different, but uh, <laughs> uh, like I don't write a lot of tickets because the area that I work in is uh, super low income for the most part, except for Tony Romo's house. I don't know why <laughs> that's a really strange area, but like aside from that that specific pocket, it's really really low income, Section Eight stuff like that, and so I don't write tickets because my people can't afford to pay tickets. Right. Uh, I have to. I've had to find a, a creative workaround to getting people like, hey, can you please slow down? And here's how you know, blah blah blah, but. 
it's just it's it's understanding that that there are a million different uh, types of people, and you just have to find the right way to connect with people and the right way to care about their circumstance. I guess. Okay. Well, to conclude, Rick's Cop Corner, I appreciate you uh, answering those questions. Uh, not obviously not getting into any specifics of your job or anything, but I just for the listeners and for myself personally, I just wanted to publicly thank you for what you oh, do. Stop it. Hey, and I know that you know your job is dangerous. Despite people, it's, you're not a mall cop. You don't. You're not walking around, you know, making sure people aren't parked in the in the driveway. I mean, your job is very dangerous. Parked in the driveway. Well, you know, like <laughs> that's where you're supposed to park. That's where I park my car. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like at the airport, like where you you can't park right here. Hey, move it along, buddy. Like you face danger every time you you work. And uh, I speak for all the listeners to say thank you for your service. Oh, there are several other police listeners. I know for a fact. I know Darcy listens. I know. Uh, I believe that one of my either one of my sergeants at work listens or his wife who's also a sergeant uh, with a different department i think they listen because they share a lot of our stuff so we have tons of police listeners it's not just me i'm not uh, i'm actually uh, from a work product standpoint i'm incredibly lazy i don't <laughs> hardly do any work at all i do a well lot of hey around and too much joking so. you can downplay uh, it all you want but i won't let you do I won't okay let you get away well with that. stop it you're okay. making you're well, getting all mushy i can, so I can let's I, go to some i was gonna make it a lot more mushy but i i stopped myself okay dad <laughs> dad jokes what yes. what are the what are your the best dad jokes? I think what brought this on was my post on Facebook, yes. like my personal Facebook. Yes. Uh, my dad is the quintessential dad joke smith. Not your dad. Your dad is not. Your dad tells real <laughs> jokes. No, I'm serious. There's a distinction. Your dad tells real jokes. Like, uh, sure, sure you're nuts. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> That's a funny joke. That's actually a real joke. My dad does like wordplay dad jokes. For instance, yeah. uh, the earliest one I can think of uh, is – my dad would say, well, guess what we're having for dinner? Big old pot of snoo. Trying to bait you into saying, huh, what's snoo? And you would res- he would respond with, not much. What's snoo with you? But what makes it a dad joke is, one, it's stupid. It's dumb. But two, you never stop saying it. You'll say it forever. Yeah. And so I've heard the snoo line from my dad ballpark at least 5,000 times. So the other day, I'm uh, with a buddy of mine from work, and we had a meeting, and we were talking about it beforehand, talking about some stuff beforehand. He's like, hey, what's the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? And I was like, well, one has a rounded snout. The other one's far more streamlined for diving. He's like, one you'll see later, and one you'll, the other you'll see after a while. And I was like, you got that's me. a dad joke, my yeah. friend. And I immediately texted it to my dad, and he responded with, seriously <laughs> one one has yeah. a rounded snout and one has a pointed and I, and I hit him with the punchline and it was evident that i feel like i got him on that because yeah. that's the point of the dad know, joke though. is to try to trip somebody into something like right. that right well can i can i say uh, last night i tried i was attempting to trip my daughters up okay and i couldn't remember the word the the, the word snoo right i couldn't i knew it was something that uh, ended with a question so i i, I said sup Okay, so I was. I told. Okay. I told my. Okay. So, but I. But I said it wrong. I was like, "Hey, I think I'm gonna have some sup soup." Idiot. Right, and so and my and my listen, <laughs> listen. So listen. So my daughter. So both daughters are sitting there listening to this, and and my daughter was like, "What's that?" And I said, "What's what?" <laughs> sup. <sighs> what? No, no. What? You know, like they're trying to get her to do it. So we did this whole long thing with sup, right? Oh God! So hold on, you so, really ruined this. I know. Didn't but, but listen, it gets worse. So then I, I finally, I say, <laughs> I, I basically tell her, like, no, you're supposed to say what's up. And then she said, what's up? And I was like, not much. What's up with you? And then, yeah. she, and so it didn't work. But then I, then I looked up snoo. And so I asked Hope. Wait, my dad didn't invent that joke. I always thought right. he made that up. No, no, I no. Never off, heard that from no, off of your. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, that was in the comments of the Facebook. So I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. It's Snoo. So I asked my five-year-old, hey, Hope, uh, I think I'm going to have some Snoo. Hang on, hang on. Hey, Hope. Hope. Okay, you went right past that really quickly. And I was like, oh. Hope. It's not very nice. Side note really quick. My oldest daughter's name is Halen, like Van Halen, just not because of that or spelled that way. Liar. And so we (laughs) we call her, like, for short, we'll just say, hey. Like, but that's like her name. But in the I can public, we'll be like, "Hey, hey!" You know, so people think we're just like screaming, "Hey!" at her, <laughs> and it's not. I'm like, "No, it's her name." Anyway, okay. So I tell Hope, who's been sitting there listening to this whole thing, I say, "Hope, I think I'm gonna have some snoo," and she goes, "What's up?" 
And I was, <laughs> I was like, dang, dang it. I, don't, I totally ruined this whole thing. A, a better version, you can try this tonight, Mark, of what the, the, the sup thing is uh, saying, man, it smells like up dog in here. Yes, what's up and dog? And someone will go, what's yeah. up dog? Not right. much, what's up well, with you? Saying, I feel like that's a really solid dad joke. Yeah, thing. so what? Like, are there others that are, that are just like classics that... <sighs> man, the only ones I can think of are the, uh, like off the top of my head, are the up dog one. And then the uh, the snoo, the alligator one. But I'm sure if you have, hey, hey, human, if you're listening to this and you have a good dad joke, how about you uh, post it to our Facebook page? And and what other like maybe the listener calls it something else as we have labeled it dad jokes. Maybe they call it, you know, maybe they're that not a universal. Yeah, that, maybe that's true. Yeah. So if you have a joke that meets, meets this requirement, post it on our Facebook Ooh, page yeah. and hashtag it. Hang on, I'm going to create a hashtag. Here we go. One FBGM. Like deviant sexual activity <laughs> like all the ones you've made. <laughs> SH dad joke, as in simply human Ooh, dad joke. Yeah, there you go. All right. Not FBGM. Let's not do that one. <laughs> uh, well, I'll do that one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I guess uh, <laughs> let's get to our interview. We talked to Dr. Parsley, and a, a large uh, portion of the interview is is Doc Parsley sort of telling his story. So if you're if you're looking for the you know really the nuts and bolts of the sleep stuff, we're gonna we get into a little bit of that towards the end, but we're gonna have him back on in the future and really get into the. All right, let's let's ask him some some very yeah because he has a really questions. like very you know very. His his background story is not. Oh, I went to school and then I learned some stuff and then I taught some stuff. It's not that. It's really long. So we're gonna have him on to to expound upon some of these sleep things. So, uh, but just so you can understand, if you're not familiar with him, you can understand it. Yeah, there you go. And uh, okay, we're gonna say this really quick. As you go to the website, simplyhumanlifestyle.com, all the stuff is there. The Facebook and all the social media stuff. Please follow us, like us, and all that great stuff. We're almost to two thousand likes on Facebook. Yes, uh, we have put out a. Uh, more than 2,000 hours of uh, 2,000. Uh, each show is not 10 hours long. Uh, 200 hours of, of content, all for free to you, the listener. And we have never really had any sort of formal paid advertising or subscriptions. We're, I'm very, and we are very, um, What's the word? protective of of that and, and of y'all? We don't want to. We don't want to whip. Get your bleeping tool out. We don't want to whip your ass with like uh, five minute infomercials and stuff that like I know a lot of other shows do. So that's kind of why we have never done that. Yeah. So what we're gonna do though, if you the website is or the email is simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail If you the listener feel like that what we're doing is is a value to you, we are, are asking you to send us a little something via PayPal, uh, and you can click friends or family, so there's no fee on it. If it's five, if it's $5, if it's $2, if it's $10, if it's $100, whatever it is you want, uh, so we can keep doing this without having to charge or do as like an in, like an insider's fee or something, because uh, we love doing this, uh, but there are some costs uh, that come out of our pockets that we want to try to offset if we possibly can. Yes, there you go. So that's it. Uh, we're passing the hat around, uh, commune style, like, hey, man, put in what you think you can, can do, man. Yeah. So whatever happens to me, we'll be super, duper, duper grateful. And uh, let's uh, let's get on to the interview because yeah. we hate Bacon. But yeah, there you and, go. And, that's yeah. it. And if, and if it's nothing, then it's nothing. We're going to keep doing it anyway. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're not going to stop doing it yeah. if we don't get you know, enough support off that. So whatever. Yeah. One thing I really liked about this interview is right at the very beginning, uh, Doc and I have some very highly technical Uncle Rico talk. Uh, yeah. So I'm it's really, really hard. Super interested with uh, Uncle Rico. Super excited. So we talked to Doc about his story, Uncle Rico talk, becoming a doctor, the Navy SEALs, doctors and sleep training, symptoms of sleep loss, what happens when you improve sleep, and the sleep cocktail. Here's Doc. Joining us today on the Simply Human podcast, very excited to have Dr. Kirk Parsley. He is a health optimization physician, lecturer, and educator. One of the coolest backgrounds of anyone we've had on the show, and I don't want to mess it up, and we want to have, have you say, welcome to the show, Dr. Parsley. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, My so, pleasure. Yeah, your story is, is just really interesting and unique. Uh, so, so tell us, you know, in, a, in a nutshell, uh, kind of give us the, the Doc Parsley story. Uh, okay, well... Let's see, I was born in 1970 in a small town. Oh, no, just <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right where I wanted you to start, yes. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, I guess uh, I, uh, I usually start the, you know, the Doc Parsley story around, uh, 
you know, around high school. Um, you know, I, I, I left high school and went, uh, actually dropped out of high school and went to, went to the SEAL teams. Um, well, you know, I, uh, one thing I, I, uh, I wanted to ask you this, I was reading your story and you said you played football in Texas. Yeah. Right? So where, yes. like, cause we're from Texas. So where, oh, okay. where did you uh, grow up? Yeah. 13 years of, uh, psychotic football, Texas, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I uh, I I played in Katy. Oh, cool! Okay. Yeah, so Plano defeated Katy twenty eight to seven in the nineteen ninety four state championship. Stop it, Mark! Sorry. What is the matter with Sorry. your <laughs> See, that, ridiculous Wikipedia knowledge of football? That that was that was after yeah. that was after me. Yeah. <laughs> we we were actually uh, division champs uh, three out of my four years of high school. So. Awesome. And uh, yeah, and yeah. So, <laughs> That 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 movie Friday Night Lights, where that new coaching staff takes over in Midland uh, or or in Odessa. Odessa, my 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 coaching staff uh, took over their their rival team that same year. Huh. So that there's uh, there's some kind of neat ties to well, that movie, and yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the environment I grew up in. That that crazy little psychotic uh, yeah. small. Football thing. Well, but, and Doc, actually, the coach of the the Friday Night Lights book, you know, uh, Gary Gaines, was my coach in college. Oh, really? Yeah. So, oh. yeah, it's all it's all connected. If you played at Texas high school football, you're basically all married to each other. So it's a big yeah. incestuous, yeah. Uh, <laughs> steaming yeah. pile of people. But, you know, uh, I mean, if if you like, if you've played Texas football, like Texas high school football, you know, like people will understand this, but. Um, you know, I, it it sounds like a terribly arrogant thing to say, and and uh, and hyperbole, but it's really not. I'm like, you know, seal training wasn't really that hard <laughs> compared to football. Like Texas football was, you know, you know, I don't know, UPG. I know, I have a bleeping tool, so you're fine. Okay. Yeah, I you mean, it was freaking psychotic. I mean, like the like, and I'm sure you know, like, the, oh, yeah. you know, the, the you know the two days which was just some like just insane 117 yeah. degrees outside and uh, <laughs> you know just like going crazy for like you know six hours at a time yeah. and uh, uh, unbelievable um, but yeah so I, I grew up in uh, I I grew up the second half of my childhood really my mom was remarried and so I get, the second half of my childhood was in Katy Texas and. Uh, I really liked football, and and I was a pretty good athlete. So during the football season, um, you know, the coaches always made sure that I I got good grades. And then as soon as the football season was over, like you know, I was all about girls and cars, and they didn't really care about uh, football anymore or you know <laughs> school at school at all. So uh, you know, after four years of high school, I had the credits of a sophomore, <laughs> um, and so I just said, "Hell with it, I'm." Um, I you know one of the reasons I was good at football is because I was just really angry uh, and uh, aggressive, and so I wanted to go be able to you know put that anger and aggression to good use and it be legal. Um, so decided I wanted to do the toughest training in the world, and so I went to uh, SEAL training. Um, you know, got through that and spent um, about six years in the SEAL teams, and. Um, you know, that was pre nine eleven, so you know we didn't have uh, we didn't have a whole lot of combat. You know, like you know we had uh, the first Gulf War, which was just kind of minimal stuff, and we had like some police action things, uh, and um, yeah, it, it was it was kind of a young single man's job. I could see that, you know, that it, uh, um, and I was becoming neither. So I, you know, I just kind of set my sights on some other aspirations, and I thought I. Um, I thought I was going to be a physical therapist. Actually, uh, it's my my ex wife is a physical therapist, and she was in grad school when I met her. When I was dating her as, as a SEAL, and I used to take her textbooks and you know be like deployed reading exercise physiology and kinesiology textbooks, and just thought the stuff was so cool. And um, so you have to have like two thousand volunteer hours to even apply to to a PT school and so I started volunteering at this clinic San Diego Sports Medicine Center that was just like this complete healthcare mecca and I had everything you know athletic trainers and physical therapists massage therapists and doctors and even like orthodontists and orthopedic surgeons and like you name it we had it and so I I really got uh, like a good sampling of all the healthcare professions and eventually you know decided that uh, I was going to be um 
I was going to try to be a doctor and, uh, you know, really started, uh, you know, hitting the books hard then and, you know, uh, living a completely unbalanced lifestyle and, you know, <laughs> uh, sleep was the first thing to get out the window right. and I, I, you know, was married, had kids, was trying to get into uh, medical school, found out literally from a, you know, like one of those little review books on applying to colleges. They, they probably don't have them anymore because the internet, but, you know, we, when you, uh, it's kind of like the SAT prep books or whatever. They, you know, they just have books on medical schools and what they're, you know, what they select for and their average GPA and average MCAT. And is I'm just thumbing through one of those books when I found, <clears throat> I found out that way that the military had their own medical school. And I was like, whoa, wait a tick, you know, uh, you're going to pay me to go to medical school and, uh, and medical school's free and like all my books and equipment are free. And I'm like, you know, for a married guy with kids, it made no sense to do anything else at that point. You right. know, so, um, I did that knowing I was, I wasn't you know, like super excited to go back in the military. Um, not, not that I have any ill feelings towards it, but it's, uh, you know, just has all the typical bureaucratic limitations and, um, and then I, yeah, and then I figured I, I figured I would get back to the SEAL teams as their doctor and I did. And when I got back to the SEAL teams, um, I got there at a great time. They just sort of funded this big initiative to, um, to really start training SEALs and treating SEALs as though, you know, something on par with like, you know, a professional sports team or, you know, at least like a D1 college or something like that. Um, and so they put me in charge of building this sports medicine facility, um, which was great. And so I got to be a part of, you know, bringing on our first, our very first, uh, you know, our very first athletic trainer, our very first uh, strength and conditioning coach, oh. our very first nutritionist, our very first uh you know, um, physical therapists and like you name it, um, it all, all stuff that you would assume that most people would have assumed that the seals would have had. For yeah. Years. So like, so it's, before that it was just, it was what? nothing just, like, uh, it was, <laughs> like it was, uh, um, so this was 2009 and we had, we had an athletic trainer who is a fantastic guy. Uh, and he's over at, at you know, dev group now, which is, you know, sort of our, are uh, major leagues, you know, of the, of the SEAL teams, you know, the SEAL of the SEALs of SEALs. Um, and uh, but uh, he literally had a trailer uh, that they rented, like you know, like a trailer park trailer with a few pieces of equipment in it, and that, that like that was the extent of our musculoskeletal. Oh, man. And um, yeah, it was it was funny, and and um, you know, people, I, I think people would have would have assumed that, um, you know, for a long time that, you know, SEALs would have had, you know, professionals around like helping maintain their, their fitness and wellness and performance. And literally like when I was a SEAL, it was was kind of like whatever your uh, commanding officer liked to do for physical training was what you were going to do. And so if he was a triathlete, you know, like you, <laughs> that was what you did. Yeah, you were going to come to work and just like run up and down the beach ad nauseum and swim. And like, well, today we're going to run and then swim, and then tomorrow we're going to swim and then run. You know, <laughs> like, oh, sweet! Like today's going to be fun. And um, <laughs> and I was like one of the very few guys that that lifted weights. And you know, um, and back in that day, you know, back in those days, seals were seal, the seal teams were super selective for endurance athletes and. Most seals were pretty small, you know, little enduro guys. Yeah. I mean, they look like the guys who do marathons yeah, and stuff. Marathons like, and, yeah, yeah, I just came back from Kona. Uh, I, I I was there working with uh, for you know I'll skip all that, but anyways, um, <laughs> like all the guys running by, like I was like, yeah, that's what seals used to look like. <laughs> like yeah. you know I mean, the emaciated sort of yeah. skeleton-looking people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they they were. They weren't necessarily super skinny, but they were just, they were definitely like built, you know, they definitely built like whippets and greyhounds, yeah. you know, and yeah. I was more like the bull mastiff. Um, and, uh, but, you know, you know, there were, there were upsides to it, you know, because, yeah, as soon as you got to the SEAL teams, they actually wanted a big, strong guy who could carry heavy around with them and, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, so anyways, I, I, I got to uh, be a big part of building that facility and, um, 
you know, then once I had ortho rounds come through and pain rounds come through and all that stuff, then I was the dumbest guy around at that point because everybody, you know, I'd hired all these, you know, world experts in their field and I had people who just knew more than me about everything. And um, so in, you know, in true military fashion, the obvious thing to do is put me in charge of that and manage all those people. And so that's, that's what I did. And um, my office was actually in the gym, the, the physical therapy or, or, or uh, our um, sports medicine center had sort of a, like a real proper treatment room on one side and a gym on the other side. Um, and the, the hallway connecting them was where all of our offices were, and, I, and that's where my office was. And so the SEALs would drop by and say, hey, man, let me, you know, they'd shut the door. And, and um, like, like any professional, you know, sort of uh, organization where, where performance, you know, physical performance is really uh, – you know the paramount uh, metric. They, you know, people don't want to tell you if they're injured, or they don't want to tell you if anything's wrong because they're worried of being. You know, they're afraid of being disqualified, medically disqualified from their job. And so, these guys trusted me because I was, you know, I was one of them. And um, there, there were still plenty of seals around that were seals when I was a seal, and so um, people knew me well. And they'd come and shut the door and go, "Hey, man, let me tell you what's really going on." And then. You know, they described this picture to me that, you know, I would expect, you know, a 70-year-old man to be telling me, um, a, a, you know, 70-year-old obese type 2 diabetic right. to be telling me. And um, and I was just, like, blown away. I, you know, I was just like, I have no idea. Like, uh, it, you know, and it was almost an aside um, that, you know, I just – I just kind of happened to notice that a lot of guys were having sleep problems and it wasn't even a question that I had really been taught to ask and it just kind of, it kind of come up in a conversation and then I I just started asking them when they came in about their sleep and you know it turns out that like 75% of them were using sleep aids like prescription prescription sleep aids like every single night um, and often two or three times the recommended dosage of, of uh, the sleep aid and chasing that down with a couple of cocktails and then all, still only getting like four, four hours of sleep. And so being brilliant like I am, I thought, well, maybe <laughs> maybe that's correlated to some of their problems. And, uh, and of course, like every other doctor um, you know, who isn't a board-certified sleep specialist, I knew nothing about sleep. And so... Um, I had to just like kind of reverse engineer it. And so I approached it, you know, the way functional medicine docs approach stuff. And I literally went back to like basic textbooks yeah. of physiology and just like started reverse engineering what happens when you go to sleep and what might be going on with our guys that could be interfering with that. And um, Yes, because unless you're, a, you know, a, like done a, a sleep fellowship or something, like the medical school and internships and residencies and all that, there's it's sort of like the anti-sleep, right? Well, like you're not yeah, getting I mean, any training there. Yeah, I mean, not only not only do they do they never even mention sleep. Like I I never had a single class on sleep. Um, I'm not sure if they. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that they you know that when they taught us how to interview patients that they never they never told us to ask them about their sleep. Um, you know, I myself was having, you know, like some health problems in medical school. I was working with this, with a really, really experienced physician. Uh, like he was literally 70 years old and, um, he was board certified in family, pra in family practice medicine and a psychiatrist. And he was a professor at the school and he's, you know, freaking brilliant man. And, um, he never once asked me about sleep. And I look back now, it's like, well, everything that I was going through, like all the physical problems, health problems, and uh, performance problems I was having in medical school was un unquestionably almost completely compl completely caused by poor sleep or, you know, severely impacted by, by, my, by no. my lack of sleep. Specifically, what kind of problems are we talking? Because this is, uh, the sleep thing is, is really important to me. Uh, I'm a, I'm a night shift worker. I'm a police officer. I've been a night shift worker for quite a while. Sleep yeah. is really important to me. I get awful sleep. However, I get the best sleep I feel like I can get. But part yeah. of me worries that like, hey, if I keep this up too much longer, man, I'm thirty, almost thirty six years old. I'm getting too old for this, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, it's about time that I start, you know, sleeping during the dur- during the nighttime like I'm supposed to. What are some of the health problems that come about specifically that you're talking about that that you were saying? Yeah. Well, I can tell you, like, um, from my like from my from my own perspective, you know, what I experienced. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I told sort of my history. So, um, you know, when I was when I was working and uh, working and trying to get into medical school. Um, you know, as as you can probably glean from the from my story, I wasn't a I wasn't a great student, so <laughs> I I had to I had to work super super hard to get good grades. Like I like academics was not wasn't something that came really easy or naturally to me, um, and I just simply outworked everybody to you know to get good enough grades to get into medical school. Um, you know, I I mean I did great in college. I I mean I I. You know, I had nearly a 4.0 when I graduated. I I kind of blew stuff off after I got into medical school. Um, but uh, you know, I was working. I was married and I had kids, and I was really smart. I was training. I was doing marathons for some reason. I don't know why. I don't even don't even get into that. Um, yes. <laughs> and uh, and um, you know, I I probably slept about five hours on average per night for you know, a decade or more. Um, and I pulled plenty of all nighters to get projects, you know, finished and all that. So like I was, I was noticing that for the first time in my life, my body composition was shifting in a way I didn't want it to. And I couldn't stop it from doing it. And, um, I just chalked it up to, well, yeah, I'm getting old because, you know, I was really old. I was like 28 or something, <laughs> you know, so, you had a yeah. cane and some yeah. glasses and, yeah. uh, Eating one cottage foot, cheese one, and peaches. One foot in the gray, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, well and, and, and real 30. quickly, that's one thing that I noticed too is that it doesn't seem, you know, the older I get, you know, I'm so much more meticulous about diet and exercise now than I was 10 years ago when I started doing this. Yeah. But it seems like no matter, like I can't stay in front of that curve with, with body composition. I have to work 10 times harder to make uh, the same gains that I would make 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. and, and I, I attribute part of that to, to my sleep, but I guess you're, what you're saying is that's a valid concern. Yeah, it is a valid concern. And, and, you know, I, I talk about this to people all the time. It's like, uh, you know, what, what is the difference between a 20 year old man and a 40 year old man? Um, most, and, and especially like when you talk about, when you went out talk about the problems the seals were having, the seals were, you know, the, the seals are guys that are very serious about their fitness. So they're working out hard and they're yeah. eating right. And they're like, they're trying to do everything right. Uh, so, you know, the difference between a 20 year old man and a 40 year old man is hormones, right? Like that's, that's what changes. That's why it gets harder. Like almost everything that we, that we um, considered to be aging and signs of normal aging is a change of hormones and subsequent shifts of, in biochemistry. Um, and so like I, 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 uh, you know, started having some body comp issues and probably a lot of that had to do with me doing marathons too, because I'm like a 250 pound power athlete and I just am not designed for marathons. And so I just probably had, you know, gallons of cortisol circulating in my blood at all, at all times. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, in medical school, um, you know, I started just really running into concentration and like memory deficits. I got, I, I actually had like really sort of borderline lipids at, you know, 30 years old when I was, you know, when I had had like, you know, you know, amazingly good lipids my whole life. And, um, my family's genetics is great for lipids and, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I already mentioned uh, the psoriasis. I started having, like, my hair started thinning. And, again, like, uh, family lineage, that shouldn't have been happening to me. Um, I was I was developing, like, anxiety and depression. And, and there was no, re- no real reason for that. I mean, of course, medical school is taxing. But, like, I was, I was kind of having some really severe symptoms. And that's similar to what the SEALs were telling me. You know, they're like, you know, I, I'm I'm really kind of moody. Uh, like I'm, I have a hard time controlling my emotions around my family. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of an asshole. I'm I'm a little bitchy. I'm 
uh, I'm like crying on call on Hallmark commercials, you know, <laughs> and then, you know, like I'm feeling anxious at work and I just don't really feel that motivated, you know, and they're, su- these are super hardworking, tough guys. And so they're still doing their job and they're still performing. It's like they're you're just- reading off like the things that I've noticed that, uh, that, that I feel like I took my kids to the movies on Sunday. We saw the good dinosaur. Oh, I, I cried at that movie. I'm I cried. Crying oh, I cried. This movie, yeah. And I'm sitting <laughs> yeah. there like, Man, every freaking Disney Pixar movie I take my kids to, I'm crying now. Like it's so sad. Can you not make something that's uplifting? When he's telling him to go to the with the human family, oh my goodness, that was just (laughs) horribly sad. Fortunately, my kids are all teenagers now, so I I don't have to go to those kind of movies anymore. (laughs) I I don't know what you guys are talking about. You can just do what Mark does too, and that's cry watching the Dallas Cowboys play. Hey, easy, easy. Oh, did they lose last night? No, we won won. at the last second. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. But yeah, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, I have all these, you know, I, we notice these things that like, you know, we attribute them to, oh, I'm just getting old. I'm just getting older. I'm just getting older. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really that old. Like, we're not no. really all that old. Like, we act when we say, oh, I'm just getting older. Like, 35 is like the equivalent of 65. It's yeah. not normal for our bodies to break down in such a way. Right. Yeah, and what I like about, uh, you know, kind of using the seals as the litmus test, it's sort of like we had... Uh, uh, Kelsey Albers on uh, a few uh, pod shows ago, Rick, and she talked about it. She had MS, and so MS gives you sort yeah. of like an early warning signs of things. Like women have their monthly cycles, which can be like an early warning sign. If that stops happening, then you know maybe something's going on. Whereas right. you can use the seals as like, okay, these guys are, like you said, they're eating right, they're training right, they're young, healthy, fit of mind and body of, of you know of anyone in the in the rest of the world yeah this is these are top one yeah. percent top half yeah. of one percent and so geez. going yeah. on the going on the improvement side of things like if, it, if something works for them right then you know it's gonna work for just like the the dad you know like yeah. The, yeah. the everyday guy so so what are some of the things that uh, that that you started doing with the seals that, that the rest of the the world can start doing and yeah well yeah I mean the the I mean the first thing like I said I, I really had no idea what what was going on with these guys and so I I uh, I did I just did this in these enormous lab pa- uh, panels of like you know I think a hundred and I think there's a hundred and seven different you know values and I was just basically testing everything and I and I was in a great position because I. Uh, you know the seals were, were kind of really hot in the media at that time, and uh, and I could call up you know docs who are experts in various fields and be like, hey, I'm the doc with the seals, and we're having this problem. I was wondering if I could come work with you know visit you for a week and like shadow you and tra- you know train with you, and they'd be like, oh yeah, it'd be awesome, you know, and, and everybody just kind of open you know welcomed me with open arms, and you know one of the you know. Some of the obvious things that popped out to me that just didn't make sense is like these guys had um, impaired glucose tolerance. You know, they had, uh, you know, they weren't diabetic, but they were, you know, they were running kind of like this pre diabetic looking, uh, ins- you know, fasting insulin and, and blood glucose and A1Cs even. And I'm just like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then their testosterone was low and their IGF 1, which is the, you know, the, the sort of the marker for growth hormone, that was low. Their inflammatory cascades were really high. Their oxygen sedative uh, panels were really high and I'm just like this doesn't this just doesn't fit you know you know what what I would expect to see with these guys um, and so you know the military is a really conservative organization and they weren't about to let me start treating people with testosterone and even though like the normal bell curve uh, was you know 250, you know, is it about 250 to 1100 for total testosterone as an example uh, you know um, you know uh, you know the the stuff uh, Rick was alluding to, like the um, in medicine, they they would just say, well, you know, that's that's normal, right? Like you're within the normal curve, right. and although you're experiencing all these problems of you know, sort of uh, all the things I just listed, you know, you're still within the within the confines of normal, and On and paper, again, like these right. are the top one percent guys, these are one percenters, and I'm like. No, you can't. Like a twenty-eight-year-old guy cannot carry two hundred pounds and jump over walls and kick in doors and be in gunfights all day with a total testosterone of three hundred. Like this doesn't make sense. Like that's when I, that's not what the bell curve is. Like the eighty-year-old has should have a three hundred testosterone. This guy should have you know like closer to the eleven hundred. And but the military wasn't about to let me um, start giving guys hormones, and nor do I think that would have been the right answer. And so. 
I just started uh, getting guys like my first goal was just to get all the guys off of Ambien. And that's where my sleep supplement came from, which I literally just worked with the seals. And just as I learned about sleep, I just kind of added one ingredient at a time and then they would try it out and they would get back to me and they would give me feedback. And that's where that came from. And I got all the guys off of Ambien got them to you know value sleep and really try to sleep more and, and a lot of it was priorities I mean we this is an organization that goes a week without sleep during our training so you know sleep is kind of for the week it, you know is is the mindset there and yeah, um, doc we so, got about we got about five minutes left I want you yep. to talk about that sleep cocktail what is in that and sort of uh, give us the, the lowdown on that yeah so the the sleep cocktail again um, like I said I I did all this just by reverse engineering sleep. Um, so there's nothing like there's there's nothing uh, magical in the sleep cocktail. There's no sort of tricks in there. It's um, uh, you know as I learned about sleep and learned about what happens. Um, you know the the you know the the Thanksgiving day trip to San Coma is is like the the pathway that that brought all this to light for me. So. If you look at the production of melatonin and, and then what melatonin subsequently does is kind of change your blood chemistry to where your it shuts down your adrenals, which are your stress, sort of your stress organs and your awake promoting organs, and then your awake promoting neurotransmitters. So you need melatonin to go to sleep, which is why that's been used as a sleep aid for a long time. But there's some problems with just using that alone and so on and so forth. So uh, the way the pathway goes is it goes from uh, L-tryptophan, which is just an amino acid, to 5-hydroxytryptophan that converts to serotonin. Serotonin becomes melatonin. Um, and then there's cofactors for um, the 5-HTP to serotonin pathway requires vitamin D3 and magnesium. So that's what's in the sleep cocktail. It's just like yeah. all the stuff that people would, you know, to make. It's really just like putting a bunch of lumber at the construction yard. Uh, if there's no construction crew working, it's not going to make a difference. But um, people, it it seemed that most people were deficient on at least one of those things. And then one of the downstream effects of um, of the of of that melatonin production pathway is that your brain starts producing more of a of a neurotransmitter called GABA, which kind of slows down your brain and makes you less aware of your environment and less interactive in your environment, and that's what makes you allows you to sort of fall asleep and drift off to sleep. And so there's a but GABA doesn't get across the blood brain barrier very well, so um, this has a a uh, a, a type of GABA in it that can cross. You just put a P, you know, you put a phenol ring, a nonpolar ring on the on the GABA, and then the GABA can get into the brain, and that's it. So we're just like making sure that the normal stuff for the cascade, the normal cascades to occur, is there. Um, it's a low enough dose of all this stuff to where like it's all going to wash out halfway through the night, and your you know your brain and your body are going to have to keep yourself to sleep, and so. All the sleep hygiene and all that stuff still matters. Right. Um, it's just kind of a way to, if your sleep hygiene and your sleep ritualization isn't ideal and perfect, it's a way to help you get to sleep faster. Or if you're a shift worker and you're sleeping during the day, you just make sure you get the highest quality of sleep that way. Or if you're, um, you know, somebody who just doesn't have enough control over your sleep to get, you know, adequate sleep, um, and you're only going to sleep six hours a night, then, you know, get the highest quality of sleep that you can and get to sleep as quickly as you can. And that's really what it's for is an alternative to sleep aids. And, um, you know, just getting guys back to sleep, um, you know, tripled their, you know, their total and free testosterone, doubled their, uh, growth hormone, uh, you know, decreased their inflammatory markers and oxidative markers and all of that. So, that is really that simple. Cool. You know? Yeah, no, definitely. And I'll have a link to it's just sleepcocktails.com is the website. Uh, and yep. and your, is your main website that you direct everybody to just doc part, DOC parsley, all one word, P A R S L E Y.com? Yes. Cool. Um, is, is, yeah, is there any other place that people can find I, you? I, or? I kind of direct people towards that. That site's really stale. Like I put it up a year ago, planning to put content on it like every week, and yeah. I haven't. So that's all being redesigned, right. and I'm getting my content on it. But, um, yeah, I mean, if people if people want to um, if people want like sort of quick little ch you know chat answers from me, like the Twitter's literally the 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 
most responsive uh, thing for me because I can respond in 140 characters right. and and, uh, and move on. And what is your? You know, I, I I follow you on Twitter, but what is it? Is it just at Doc Parsley? Uh, it's yeah, yeah. It's just Doc Parsley. It's just at Doc Parsley. Cool. That's what I thought. Awesome. Um, yeah. So uh, we will uh, we will direct people to the sleep cocktails, and we really just started scratching the surface. I uh, I would love to have you back on sometime in the spring. We can talk more about sleep and and some of the things that uh, that sleep affects as far as cognition and and appetite and those hormones that direct that that uh, you know. Uh, deal with yeah. appetite and, and disease risk and all that other stuff but uh yeah that, it goes on and on yeah. well i i guess i'll, I'll see you at the jasa retreat yes right, where, uh, yeah that, yeah that, my, my wife will be up there up too march. yeah march 2nd through the 6th i believe and we're going to get up there yeah so we will plug the the jasa retreat real quick so um and actually yes so sarah fergoso is the one she you've worked with her i guess she worked with the seals on some stuff over on the west coast and you've been connected with her uh for a long time and uh, yeah. so that was the, that was our connection here. And so, yeah, so Jason and Sarah and, and Jim Laird and Lucy Hendricks, Dave Wilton, uh, Doc Parsley, I will be there. My wife is, is coming and she has probably more credentials, uh, than, than no, she doesn't probably, she has more credentials than me, uh, uh, to speak, uh, authoritatively on, on, uh, health and wellness and development and stuff like that. So yeah, looking forward to that, but, uh, man, I really appreciate your time. Uh, hang out for just a second. I'm going to stop the recording. Uh, but, uh, but I want to ask you a question, uh, off air, but I really appreciate you being on the show and hopefully we'll have you back on sometime in the future. Yeah, I'd love to come back. There's a million things to talk about and I like to talk. Keeps me from having to work. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. I want to talk about something real quickly in the hot dog. Well, why don't you start? Because I just started recording. God, you idiot. <laughs> Let me get to it. I'm not ready. Hang on. Okay, well, um, I will say thank you, Doc Parsley. We're going to have him back on. And all his stuff that we mentioned, his websites and everything, are going to be in the show notes. And uh, please visit them. And hopefully, we're going to get some of that sleep cocktail. And Ooh. I say we should take the sleep cocktail like right as we start recording the show and see what happens. <laughs> it sounds like a real terrific idea. <laughs> Very quickly, what I did want to talk about during the hot dog segment... Uh, this has become a mission of mine very recently. Uh, thank you to everyone who has added an iTunes, like a, a star rating. We've had uh, literally like 70 of them Jeez. Uh, in the last three or four weeks. It's been really crazy. I don't know where they came from. But recently I've been, been you know, hey, while you're there, why don't you give us a little sentence or two about what you like about the podcast because it makes me feel good. Well, we've had a bunch of those as well. But I wanted to uh, give a special shout out to someone uh, who left the last one named uh, – username is Bug Eaters. Oh, which, all right. And uh, it's a really terrific review and I really enjoyed it. Read it. I'm actually I haven't read, read it. it. Yeah. Man, it's hard to admit, but I always wish it were longer. Uh, the title of it is "It's Too said. Short." That's what she said. By that's the way. what she said. That, says, uh, I wish it were on. longer. I never seem to get enough, and I'm always left wanting more. <laughs> the interviews are so personal; it's like listening to two old friends have their way with the unsuspecting guests. That's what she said, mm, "Talk slower." <laughs> the content is so filling. I've already put many things to use in my own life that I've gleaned from you. I can relate to Rick so much. I also constantly call Mark an idiot. Good, even yeah, if huh. only in my own head. Humans being human might be my favorite part of the show. It's truly a, a breathe of fresh air. Well, that's a co- that's a typo that you meant a breath of fresh air. But I'm not Mark, so I'm not going to wear you out over a typo but because you, it's, you're just a human. So that's but fine. you just did. So no, no, you're fine. Uh, it's truly a breath of fresh air, and reminds me that everyone vomits or has explosive diarrhea sometime in their lives. It's a great reminder to slow down. Don't go so fast. Enjoy life one climax at a time, and don't dwell in the fecal infested valleys of life. So. That's probably one of my favorite reviews ever. Thank you very much, Bug Eaters. And uh, I might, if you write a good review, if you're into like getting a auditory shout out on the old podcast, write us a good review, and I might read it. And if you write us a really terrible review, I will uh, definitely read it. Get really angry, and I'll throw a bunch of f bombs, and I will not read it, and I'll just curse your name on the air. So uh, do that, and you'll hear the clicking of the keyboard as I'm trying to take notes of when to bleep out. <laughs> Rick, which is half of what I do during the interview. Yes, censoring me. So, right, Rick, thank what? you, Bug Eaters. Thank you to everyone. We've had probably like maybe an extra 10 uh, text, like uh, narrative reviews in the last probably since I started talking about this, maybe like a month ago. So well, thank you to all you guys. You give me you give me fuel to keep doing this. I know Mark feels the same way. So thank you. Why don't you continue on and intro Ruel? Yes, for Humans Being Human this week, we have on a good friend of mine. His name is Ruel, and Ruel has a podcast. It's called... And it's R-U-E-L. So when you're looking for his podcast, Ruel's Running Podcast. 
uh, and we'll have links in the show notes. But I had Ruel had me on uh, earlier this year, a couple of episodes when I was doing the marathon stuff to talk to me about that. He has a very interesting show. It's definitely a different sound than a lot of them. One that I kind of dig. It's really cool. He has a lot of cool guests on. Well, Ruel, you might know him from uh, if you're on the Vinny Tortorich Facebook group. He's uh, one of the admin there. But Ruel joins us, and I don't remember what we talked about because I've slept since then. But it was good times, and let's listen to that now. So, uh, Ruel from famous, famously from Ruel's running podcast and Ruel.com. Uh, I don't think it's Ruel.com. <laughs> Do not go to Ruel.com. Yeah, Ruel.com might be something entirely different. But if you are a member of the Vinny Tortorich uh, Facebook group, of which I am and Mark is, Ruel is, what do you call yourself, like an admin? Like you're one of the people, you're one of the head honchos here. Right. Uh, if you, if you, nah, I'm not the head of nothing. Um, I'm the secret admin. Don't tell anybody. Really? Oh. Well, no. don't no. worry. No one listens to this. So yeah, no you just hear. told my mom. So uh, we're, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you, first of all. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us for the Humans Being Human segment. Now, when I texted you originally, first of all, uh-huh. I can't believe it took me however long to be like, oh, I should ask Ruel if he, he's got funny stories because he's a funny guy. It never occurred to me until like two days ago. And I was like, hey, do you have funny stories? And you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like a million of them. So uh, prime prime the pump here a little bit. Like what are we uh, – if we have enough stories, we're going to do two of these segments. But like uh, what are we talking about today? Et moi? Me? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, um, I was talking – I want to talk about a little about about my some brotherly love and uh Talk slower. and uh <laughs> and uh um i have a story about how uh cereal had uh, uh caused me to get scalded and how as a uh, how as a teenager uh, moped mopeds have caused me to break my face almost man that is do we get to pick the first ar- one or yeah. do you have an order like they all like flow into each other hey this is just- it doesn't matter what I, because I'll I'll kind of describe a little bit about where the mindset of my brothers and the, our brotherly love sort of background came from. Talking mm. about my dad, so okay, yeah. we start with that. Matter. Go ahead. Yeah, start with that. You may you. I'm giving you permission to begin. Ooh, I'm not much of a storyteller, but uh, I'll try my best. <laughs> Go. Okay. You absolutely are a storyteller. I've listened to your. Uh, Listen to your podcast, you nerd. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, there we go. I um, so uh, I grew up to the youngest of two boys, uh, two years apart, and uh, you know, my, um, I love my brother to death. He's uh, we'll call him Albert because that's his name, or Al. <laughs> okay, and uh, you know, I've always looked up to my brother Albert, and uh, you know, which was part of the problem as we got older, sort of our teenage years. We, you know, as you can imagine, a lot of other households where there's siblings, there's a lot of that sibling rival rivalry. But with brothers, they, you know, there's a lot of, I don't know, I don't know, testosterone, butting heads, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, but I mean, put it this way: we had a God, we had neighbor neighbor cousins, four boys, one girl, okay. and the the second oldest of those brothers was a bully in the family. He would take his the younger brother and torment him and basically slam his head up against the wall. You know, right. we'd come in to visit and want to play only to see our older cousins, you know, um, one of them getting slammed in the head and the other guy just kind of standing predominantly over his older his younger brother. So it was kind of crazy. Yeah. Probably deserved yeah, so it. Probably deserved it. Yeah. It's, it's common, right? It's a yeah. common thing. Yeah. I mean, the same bully brother took a toy a tennis racket and uh, swatted the youngest... The, the the baby of the bunch on the chest and in the back, leaving like red grid marks. Oh, wow. Yeah. I swung and, a uh, baseball bat at my brother's face once, uh, an aluminum <laughs> baseball bat. I did that. I swung a two-by-four at my brother once <laughs> when I was like nine. <laughs> and that's the brotherly love we're right. talking about, right? Correct. Correct. Exactly. <laughs> but, man, yeah. We told we told, we told told uncle, the, the, the those guys' father, and uh, – some so some guy that walked the, in the house the, uh, that we just started calling uncle. He was just always there. He had a beard and never wore <laughs> pants. Yeah, I had an uncle like that too. Well, well, my uncle when when we 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 walked the little child over to his father, my uncle and our uncle, and said, "Look what look what Jerry did," because Jerry was the bully in the bunch. Yep. And uh, and my uncle hollered hollered over 
for Jerry and just basically told him, if you do that one more time, I'm going to hang you. So, you know, it's a different time. It's a different generation. But there's the fatherly love for you. <laughs> hang <laughs> At you. any rate, it happens in other houses. It, um, my brother and I hardly um, – we rarely fought. But we did bicker and argue a whole lot. And, uh, you know, my dad – my dad didn't like the fact that we, we got out of each other's throats, especially that we were the, since we were the only two. You know, and what he'd do is he would tell stories about how he, growing up, my dad grew up as a uh, post-World War II child in the Philippines. And uh, he grew up in a gang, the way he would describe it. And his younger brother would uh, also grew up in his own gang. My, my father would tell the story where um, one New Year's Eve, Somehow their two gangs were to you know lock horns do battle in front of a church. So it's like the sharks like, and jets here, we got the yeah. West Side Story happening. They right? would sing yeah. songs and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Snap their fingers and there's uh, a lot of their satin jackets. There's a there was a lot of finger snapping. <laughs> yep, and uh, um, white socks with a <laughs> with penny loafers, <laughs> Sat, red satin jackets with the coronets stitched on the back. That was the name of his band, his gang, the coronets. Oh yeah, that was it exactly. The Filipino coronets. Um, so yeah, so there's this. My dad's trying to tell the story about how he was in this gang against this other gang that his that his younger brother was in, and uh, they were you know the this the fight had had uh, gone on, and at some point the church bell rang, and it, the fighting paused for a moment. My my dad had his arms cocked back to to. Uh, you know, to swing a blow at somebody across from him, and the person across from him had his his, his arm cocked back, and uh, my dad realized they both realized that they were brothers. You know, it was my dad's uncle, my my, my dad's brother, my uncle, and uh, they stopped fighting, and they left they, they left their gangs, and you know, kind of went home because it was my dad's point to say, you know what, you never want to fight your brother, you know, you never want to do that you want to take care of one another rick, so rick what was the worst fight you and rob ever got in like did y'all ever like fisticuffs um well see my brother like when i was when i was a little little kid like you know probably 11 12 13 i was uh you know nerdy pudgy and my brother was on the wrestling team and my brother's kind of a you know kind of a smaller uh skinnier guy but he was always always very strong for his size and so he would uh, took like great pleasure in, even though he was uh, probably about the same like height as me, he always took a, a lot of pleasure in like pinning me and putting me in like uh, you know the reverse Nelson and all this and that and shoulder pins and stuff like that. And so I can't remember any specific one that was like this one was the the right. fight to win all fights, except for when I almost hit him with, with a two, two by four. four. <laughs> my cousin. <laughs> Like my, my, when, when I got to be probably like second or third grade, my mom went back to work. And so that meant during the summer times, there's no one home. Well, she, she was gone at this. night a lot cause she was a stripper. And so yeah, that was, yeah, that's right. Mark. Yeah. Well, she worked the lunch crowd on Tuesday. <laughs> she was on the seat. So <laughs> it was going to rough there for a while, but she would like one of my cousins, my older cousins would come and stay with us during the summertime. Kind of, I guess babysit for lack of a better term. And we were getting after it one day, my brother and I, and I picked up like a large piece of wood, a two by four of some kind, and I'm ready to take a baseball swing at his yeah. face. And she reaches down and grabs it right before I start my like transition from the back swing to the four swing. And she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm just blinded by rage. I'm You're doing like, whatever I'm, I feel like. I'm about doing. to murder Rob. What do you think I'm doing? Yeah, that would have not been good if yeah. I, because I would have like smashed his face. Oh yeah, like when I swung the aluminum bat, like it would, that would have killed him. Like uh, Brad, <laughs> Jeff has been yeah. on the show, but Brad was this very strong, he's the strongest man in life. He would pin Jeff, like, like straddle him and, and pin his arms to the ground and like do the slow spit thing on his face and and like you know, Jeff, poor Jeff, couldn't get up or do anything. And, and then Brad would. Brad has the strongest groin of any man on earth. Mm. Yeah. Well, clip that out, by <laughs> yeah. the way. And, it, and remember, and uh, and he would put us in like in his groin hold, and he could squeeze you. I'm like, I'm thinking, as I'm, I'm as like my consciousness is slipping away. I'm thinking, how does someone have this strong of a groin? Like this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> is this the most weird like four like? Like forty seconds ever in the history of the podcast, talking about how like groin impressively talk. strong your brother's <laughs> groin is. <laughs> there were other things that he would make me do that would it would also. Uh, okay, back up okay. And, well, we probably should keep it at groin yeah. talk then. 
<laughs> well, hey, um, you know what, Ru- Ruel? Hang out. We've just we've just done a whole segment on brotherly love, but hang out for just a second. And strong groin. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're gonna name it. And groin strength. But I'm gonna stop this recording, and then we're gonna we're gonna record another one just like we did with with old Zach here a while back. So hang out just a second, just for a second. Thanks for being on this show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Ruel. He's going to be back on uh, in a couple of shows. I think. Yeah, we had him on for two Humans Being Human segments. So I think the ne- how we divided this up, the next one is, uh, oh, what do you call it, Moped Talk? Did we have that? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's the that's second for the one. the next I, I'm, one. I'm remembering it now. Yeah, so, and- yes, thank you. And go on to iTunes or Stitcher and look him up. Ru, R-U, space, E-L, space, running podcast, and there you'll it find is. it. So there you go. Um, and that will actually be on the Mark and Jen anniversary show. So December 28th. So anyway, hmm. Hmm. all right. I remember that because I wasn't invited to your wedding. You were? Shut up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had to work. <laughs> all right. It is now time for the tip of the week. Something you can start doing, uh, to become a more healthy human. And it is from Steve Chandler, uh, and Craig. Oh, Steve Chandler. Yeah. You, you don't know him. Uh, nope. Don't know him I've at ne- all. I've never heard of him either. Uh, from though, it's from crazy goods. I'm going to read this real quick. Testing means experimenting, and as the brilliant business author Dale Doughton says, never heard of him, experiments never fail. Experiments never fail because when you are experimenting, you are just as eager to find out what doesn't work as what does. Whatever you find out helps you grow. There is no failure in that. Experiments give you a way to play with the universe. They allow you to interact with the real world and get some interesting answers. What works, what doesn't? Let me try again. This is starting to kick in. That's from a section called Testing versus trusting. This distinction is one of the most transformative ideas I picked up from my work with Steve. I don't know, Steve, and I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, go go listen. <laughs> go listen to episode 101, Humans Being Human. Oh and my god! The prank call. <laughs> that and, was like getting gut punched in the joke. I was not even. I was looking left, and you were looking right. Holy crap! <laughs> All right. To continue, in fact, I loved it so much that I sent us both a lab coat and goggles to capture the spirit of an experimenter. Don't wait until everything is perfect and you can finally trust yourself just jump in as emerson says all life is an experiment the more experiments the better so how experiment that's the uh tip of the week and it's it, you know find out if you're not if you don't look feel, feel and perform how you want to look feel and perform don't just do nothing to me that's failing at at you know capturing or recapturing your health what's what's succeeding is experimenting find out okay uh, you know i feel like i'm getting good sleep maybe but let's let's cut out artificial light and see what that does or let's let's cut out this food for uh, 3 weeks and see what happens or you know uh so I'm a huge fan. I'm a, I'm a big self-experimenter. I know you have have started, you know, ch- testing mm-hmm. blood sugar and experimenting. And there's some, I don't know, there's some fun in, in that and some excitement in doing that kind of thing. So experiment. I think to to for people like me, like I think one thing that separates you from me is you're very mindful about like this stimulus has this effect, like whether it's sleep or food or exercise or whatever. I tend to I tend to just kind of float around and don't pay attention to how I feel necessarily. And I think when I start experimenting, I'm paying more attention to how those things affect me. How do I feel? How am I sleeping? How am I? So when I'm experimenting, that's that kind of helps tune me into being more attentive to how I actually am feeling and performing and all that stuff. So I think that's to me that's why exp- experimentation is important to me uh, is so that I can be extra tuned in to how I'm actually doing because otherwise I just kind of float around and yeah. don't really pay attention to anything. And that's, I think if you do that, that's one, that's one of those, if you, if you had that mindset that that's just what you do, that's one of those, you wake up three months later and you're like, holy crap, no, my pants don't fit or holy crap, no, I'm sick and you know, all this stuff. So you, it helps you pay attention better to how you are actually doing with those things. Yeah. And the other cool part about that is I know like with little kids, the reason they like to watch shows over and over and over God, and over is because that is the one thing in their daily life that they can control, right? Everything is new to them, right? So whereas we, you know, we're used to waking up and putting our slippers on and going out and getting the paper with our coffee. You know, like we have to, like, get the hmm. same. We have the same. I wear Crocs. I wear red Crocs. Mm, you I should, wear slippers. You should wear barefoot. I should wear my Crocs with my uh, police uniform, ca- cargo pants, oh. and my. My, my suburban dad. Your car oh, shorts. Uh, so anyway, so like we're we're used to stuff. So kids have control over stuff. So in that same way, 
you ha- you can control some things in your life, people, and you don't have to just accept things as they are. Like you can take control and and experiment, and you are the laboratoryman. It's not a word. Is that not a word? Scientist? Nope. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. I prefer laboratory men. Okay. Ah, so do I. <laughs> I'm going to start saying that now. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's the show. That uh, is a show. Coming up next time, the next two shows, we have the great Eva T. Of oh, Eva man. T. We haven't talked to her for, uh, Crap, i got to start flossing. Yeah, don't, I know. <laughs> don't you dare tell her that I haven't flossed anymore. Don't well, you dare I'm tell her. Well, I'm not making any promises. And then on the December 28th show... It, I'm not sure what order they're going to be in, but Will Fleming is going to be back on. Awesome. And since we have talked to Will, who's a strength coach in Indiana, he and his wife have had a baby. So we are going to uh, talk to him, among other things. Uh, but, like, what's it, you know, how did he deal with his training and his sleep and his, his nutrition and all that with a small kid? And just kind of like with the Navy SEALs, if it works for someone with a newborn, it will probably work for someone without a newborn. Uh, Very good point. Yeah. So go to the website, Simply Human Life. Style.com. All the social media stuff is there. Uh, like us on Facebook, all that great stuff. Um, go to the store page and see what we have cooking. Uh, uh, any of those things uh, we endorse and love with all of our hearts. Uh, well, we, very briefly earlier, we touched on some you know ways to uh, offset the cost of the show. When you buy something that we talk about through an affiliate link on our web, on our site as opposed to going to the other site to buy it, then we make a little bit off that. So that's another way you can support the show. Yes. Yeah. Thank Thank you very much. Yes. The email the show simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. You can email Rick at simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. So, with this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. And remember. And we'll wrap up with our Simple Human tip. Uh, How are you, Rick? Hmm. Well, I guess Rick doesn't want to do the show anymore. So, until next time, enjoy yourself.